I'll tell you what, I think having and healing a scarcity mindset is probably the hardest challenge I've ever broached myself. It's difficult because you don't even realize how much story you're attaching to what happened. That's also influencing and fueling these limiting beliefs, which change your perspective about life and about decisions and about opportunities. And so I'm going to try to talk about it, but I'm just going to ask for some grace too, because This is a lot of times where I get stuck myself. Like I just uncovered the other day a new limiting belief that I had held on to and I didn't even realize it was impacting my decisions in relationships because I told you guys I'm currently going back to, to therapy. And with my therapist, there was like a certain point where we were talking about a relationship and this relationship is platonic, but kind of didn't know how I felt. And I was just trying to like navigate it. And so I was talking it through with my therapist and, you know, as they do out of nowhere, he's just like, so what do you think your belief is if when you experience someone that's trying to pursue you, showing that they're really engaged, that they're not going anywhere, that they really want to listen to you, that they find you interesting, that they really want to invest in you, like what then must you believe about yourself if your first response is to question if you can trust it, if it's valid, if if it makes sense, if it supports what you know about yourself. Like he just went on this list, right? And I'm like, okay, that's not where I thought this was going. But I just took a minute and I considered it. And then I just started crying. Because what I have to believe about myself to have that kind of response my limiting belief at my core, and he actually uses the term core belief. My core belief is that I'm unlovable. And it's so cliche to me to say it out loud. So I like don't really love saying that because I'm just like, okay, <laughs> you don't believe you're lovable. <laughs> like put a bandaid over it, like grow up, you know, like how old are you? But like, Since it is true that that has been my response in just this one relationship, like we're not even talking about my other relationships with family, with close friends. I mean, everybody at some point of investment for me, I get stuck. And honestly, it all comes back to like, it just started falling into place. And I was like, that makes sense now. That's where I'm getting stuck. I don't believe that I'm lovable. And so when I experience someone loving me, my first response, my first instinct is to question it, disregard it, to overlook it, to maybe even ignore it. Like I would rather just pretend that they didn't say something lovable about me or discount it completely and invalidate it so that by the next time, it's almost like it didn't even happen. And so on the other end of it, I'm sure people in a relationship, like a deep relationship with me, at some point in our relationship probably question like, what? 
where did I get lost? Like, how am I not communicating to her that I do love her? Like, didn't I say this? Didn't I show this at some point? But I live my life as though it couldn't be true. So I don't even make it significant. And that's how deep it goes. Now, how does this relate to my scarcity mindsets? I think our core beliefs, our limiting belief, and I'm using an S here, our limiting beliefs have everything to do with our scarcity mindsets. And for some of you, like me, yours is going to be rooted in some kind of trauma. And for others, if you feel like you don't really resonate with significant trauma. Like I'm not feeling the trauma word. (laughs) I think for others, it probably is going to be grounded in your childhood as well. And I only say this because I guess it's an educated assumption that our brains are not fully developed until we're 25. At least with research, that's what's out. And so as a kid, when you're experiencing life, you have your experience of what's happening and our minds naturally want to make something make sense. I mean, that's true today, right? Like even as an adult and no longer a kid, like when something happens, you're trying to automatically make sense of what happened. This happens all the time. It's like you're sitting in a coffee shop and someone walks through the door And the difference in perceiving that person as a threat and perceiving that person as a potential friend or simply as another customer in the coffee shop is all about the story that you apply to what's happening. What happened? You're sitting in the coffee shop. Someone walks through the door. What you're going to tell yourself about that person is going to impact your perspective of that person. And ultimately, depending on what your goals are in your life, if you want to make more friends, if you want to be more open-minded, if you want to choose to focus and eliminate the amount of time that you spend getting distracted by stimuli, then it's going to ultimately be the deciding factor of the decision you make next. If your goal is to be someone who has more friends, then that person that just walked into that coffee shop is a potential relationship to you. If you're someone who would like to limit distractions, then the story you're going to tell yourself is something that's going to help you disengage interest from that person that's walking through the door. Oh, they're probably just another customer. They're going to be in and out. If your goal is to be more protective and aware of your surroundings and also more aware of who's in your space and what their intentions are, then you're probably going to be more skeptical and more on edge about that person walking into the coffee shop. But I want you to take note of the fact that nothing about what happened changed. The only thing that shifts is the story you tell yourself about what happened. That changes everything about your perspective, and it ultimately impacts because it influences the decision that you're going to make. This happens 
all over our lives. By now you guys know that I grew up with a single mom. And so my nuclear family was just me. I have a brother who's two years older than me and then my mom. And so it's the three of us, you know, that's, that's who I had growing up. And my dad is in prison. We were estranged from my mom's extended family. And my dad, he wasn't in the picture enough to be able to communicate. And I honestly don't think he knew very many of his extended family members. A lot of uh, my immediate family on my dad's side are addicts. And so it's really hard to get like a clear anything. I remember my grandmother telling us that we were Ethiopian and, you know, I I got a ancestry like DNA test thing that I did uh, several years back and I have zero Ethiopian in me. <laughs> so that just tells you the amount of faulty information that I have gotten through the years. But that said, what actually happened is I grew up with my mom, my brother, and myself. For the longest time though, what I told myself was that I had less people in this world that I could depend on. That once they're gone, that's it. That's all I have. It's me against the world. Like I'm in this on my own. I got to figure it out. I got to figure out a way to navigate the world. I got to get my own two feet. I got to stand on them pretty quickly. I got to, you know, navigate all this information so that I can figure out how I'm going to make it in this world because they're not going to be here the for the rest of my life. And honestly, part of that story I adopted from, you know, I think that's that was a big fear that my mom had because she lost both of her parents at a young age. And so it was always her fear. Like she was always thinking about that at the forefront of her mind. Like, how are my kids going to be okay if I'm no longer here? And so I think that was a projection that she made, but it's a story that I adopted and it became my reality and it impacted my decisions. And in particular, I allowed it to impact the decisions that I made in relationships. Like to this day, one thing that I'm really working hard on now is on trying not to be so self-reliant. Like it, it's really hard for a bond to deepen with other people, just in relationships in general. This is a free nugget, but it's really difficult for people to feel bonded in relationships when they also don't feel like they can meet a need. And so it's really important, like obviously you don't want to fall on any of the opposite extremes, like you're overly needy and overly codependent and you know, you're at, you are asking people for too much because you don't want to be independent or responsible for yourself, but there's a balance, right? Like we need to need and to be needed. And so being so self-reliant because of my limiting belief that once my family is gone, once these two people are gone, that's it. That's all I have. It changed the way that I chose to depend on people going forward. Like I can't depend too much on people is what I told myself because if I become codependent, then what happens when they're gone too? I won't know how to figure this out for myself. Now, is that true? I mean, could be, but is that the only truth? Not at all. And that's the thing about limiting beliefs is that once you attach to them, you start making a series of decisions. It starts out as one decision that you're going to make, right? I'm going to be self-reliant. 
And for the most part, you're able to get by because there's a lot of areas where you do need to be independent and you do need to be responsible for yourself. But then there's a point where you start making a series of decisions that ultimately lead you down a path that isn't your ultimate goal. Like if my goal for myself is to figure out a way to have close relationships with more than just this biological mom I was given and this biological brother I was given, then I'm going to have to figure out a way to allow other people into my life. I'm going to have to figure out how to not be so self-reliant. I'm going to have to make different decisions. And the way that you make different decisions is by truly confronting your limiting beliefs. And the way that you do that is to separate the story that you're telling yourself about what happened from what actually happened. What actually happened? I have my biological mom, I have my brother, I have a dad that's in prison, and I have 8 billion other people in this world. Now, what also happens is that a curveball is thrown, right? Like we have these limiting beliefs and then we get thrown these curveballs and now I get adopted at 14 and that's opening my world to more relationships where I have not only my brother and my mom, but now I have this whole other family and they actually have relationships with extended family members. So the family tree is just getting larger. Now what do I do? Well, now I have what happened and now it's a different what happened. And then I get to choose the story that I want to attach to what I'm making it mean about what happened. Now I know I'm leaning really heavy into relationships because I am in the thick of it. (laughs) Like that is where I am currently the most stuck in my life. You throw a business decision, you tell me to grind it out, you tell me to hustle, you tell me to climb a corporate ladder, you tell me to get another degree, you tell me to study. I have that in the bag. Like I, and I'm not trying to come across as arrogant. I hope it didn't sound arrogant, but like it's because that's, I've been willing to disregard limiting beliefs in those areas. And so if you're stuck in those areas, what I want you to recognize is that you you too have what happened and then the story that you're telling yourself about what happened. And that's ultimately why you're not able to reach the goal you have set out for yourself because your limiting belief is what's standing between you and you accomplishing the goal because it's impacting and influencing the decisions that you're making and you're playing it small. You're playing it less than your goal because you don't really perceive that you can reach that goal, whatever it is in whatever area, because of this limiting belief. So you have to go back to what happened and separate what happened from the story. One of my favorite ways to do this, if you've never sat down and just written out the timeline of your life. I'm telling you, it's worth doing once and it is so time consuming and I won't even lie to you that it's not like fun work, right? Like probably because I'm knee deep in in therapy right now, like I'm doing a lot of this work that isn't fun for me. I would rather be building another branch of a business right now, obviously. I'm comfortable, more comfortable with that than I am navigating the areas where I'm getting stuck and my limiting beliefs and relationships. But what I'm saying is part of the work is to write a timeline of your life. And what I want you to do on one half of that paper, like just divide it in half, make like a T-chart. 
is on one half, literally just put the facts. The day you were born, if there's uh, something that happened or an experience that happened before you were born, like for me, that would be both of my grandparents on my mom's side were murdered. That definitely influenced and led to some of my limiting beliefs that I've attached. So maybe it goes before you were born. So if that's true for you, start before you were born, but just put the facts, literally what happened. I'm encouraging you to do this because on the other side of the chart, I want you to tell yourself the story about what it means. What happened is on the left side, on the right side of that T-chart, on every single pinpoint of what happened in your life, I want you to tell yourself on that T-chart what that means, what it has meant, what the significance of that moment is for you. And what you might find is that you will be able to identify more clearly what your limiting beliefs are. Now, this is groundwork, right? Because we haven't even talked about why you have a scarcity mindset or why I have a scarcity mindset. We solely just have to do the work of separating your experience and what happened, the facts, from the story you're telling yourself about what happened, right? This is you sitting in the coffee shop and a person walking through the door And the story is going to tell you how you're perceiving that person that walks through the door. This is everything. This is point one of navigating a scarcity mindset and healing it. Separate what happened from the story that you're telling yourself about what happened. Now, I just shared one area of my life where I had what happened and then I had the story. Now that same situation, right? I'm sitting in the coffee shop, a person walks in, same situation, right? I have the mom, the brother, myself, the three of us. But add in that I have a dad in prison and at eight that my mom married a stepdad that two weeks after that was abusive. Now, the story I told myself, one of them, about what happened is so much more difficult for me to graduate high school, dang near impossible for me to graduate without being a teen mom myself. I also had a higher chance of dating or marrying somebody who was also either going to be abusive or have a criminal background. And It was going to be really difficult because of resources to be able to obtain any other social, socioeconomic status other than the one that my family had experienced themselves, or at least what I know of my family. Now, this is important because what this is introducing is not only is there what happened and then your own personal story that you're trying to bring context into what happened. But now we're talking about what happened, plus the influence of other people's stories that you adopt. Now, all of these things that I said about what happened are grounded in data, right? Like the way that we get statistics, and this is coming from a political science major too, right? Like for most of that degree was solely studying how we get data and how we interpret data. And 
what's interesting about data is that it's backed up by a lot of really smart people with letters after their name, with certifications, with these impressive educational backgrounds. But at the core, they are people who talk to other people who have similar experiences of what happened to me. And then they're asking them what their life looks like now. And for a lot of them, their response was very similar to someone else in their family who made very similar decisions as them. And then these educated people are coming back and they're putting on paper or in these academic articles and they're telling us the significance that we should draw from what actually happened. And this is really key because it's important that we separate what happened from our personal stories about what happened, as well as what happened from other people's stories about what the significance should be for us about what happened to us. And both of those need to be filtered through so that we can just get back to what actually happened. Just because a thousand very educated people say the same thing, it does not make a lie any more true. And for some reason, I maybe this is just my makeup, right? Like it was so much easier for me to see through their limiting beliefs and reject them. And I went on to graduate with really good honors and I did really well in college. High school really wasn't a problem for me. Honestly, like I didn't study. I really didn't work hard and I was able to get on the honor roll at every single quarter. There was a period of time where I was going through a lot before I got adopted. And so I was failing most of my classes except for English. But outside of that, like school has never been that difficult for me. And so these statistics just aren't adding up. And luckily, I didn't really accept their significance for me. It was so easy for me to see through it. And in the same way, that's my hope for this other area of my life with relationships that I'll get to that same point, but it's a muscle and you got to work it. And part of it is just being aware of what's happening so that it's not happening in silence. I want it to be happening out loud. So maybe instead of just doing two columns, one being the story of what happened and then your significance, maybe you need to add another column and maybe put in there other people's significance about your story so that you can see where you have adopted other people's significance for your life. The difference in how you perceive the people coming through the door at the coffee shop has everything to do about what your goals are and what your beliefs are. And your belief will entirely change your experience of that person walking into that coffee shop. When I put it like that, my hope is just to strip the emotion out of it. Because a lot of times when we're talking about trauma, we get secondary trauma and then we have to process through that 
just hearing other people's stories that are very similar to our own. And then we start getting upset. Like I, I feel challenged by myself when I say this out loud, because in a lot of ways, I don't want to believe that I am the common denominator here, that I am the one who has the entire ability and control over how I perceive what is happening in my life and my experiences and my opportunities. It would be so much easier to believe that other people are limiting my opportunities that are crossing my desk, that other people are nitpicking, that other people are making it more difficult for me, that other people, you know, that it's other people. It would be so much easier. I would literally save so much money right now (laughs) if I didn't need to go to therapy to figure out how I can take some control back in these areas of my life. And so that's where I'm asking for grace. It's not that I am unwilling to confront it. It's that it has been painful to confront it. And so I know that I'm probably causing a lot of pain throwing this back on you in the same way because I'm currently living it. But again, that's my own projection. Maybe this is freeing for you. And that's what I hope. Now that said, I don't want to leave you there. That is literally the groundwork. The other healing part of this is truly in the fact that it is literally about making decisions. And that is what at the core I'm communicating then. Like if it isn't about what actually happened, and if it is more about the story that we're telling ourselves about what happened, then what's also true is that By choosing to make a decision to tell ourselves a different story, we could then have a different experience about life. And I think that's what I am trying to say. I think our limiting beliefs are limiting our abilities to access opportunities, to access the next step, to really reach your goal. You are accomplishing your goal of staying at the point that you're at simply because you have chosen to accept it. But the minute you choose to reject a limiting belief, it opens a door that you are able to see so many more opportunities. And I hesitate to go into this next point because to be honest, I'm not a big manifester. Like I don't actively practice manifestation in like the traditional sense of the word because I believe that there's overlap in what I do and I think the common ground here is that I do believe that what we tell ourselves what we say matters because it impacts what we believe and what we believe impacts the decisions that we make and the decisions that we make ultimately put us on a certain life path. And so I don't necessarily actively practice manifestation or affirmations or however you say it, but I respect it and it's just not something I do, so I don't speak to it. That's it. That's all I'm saying with that. But what I am saying is I think that there is a lot of power in what you choose to say to yourself or what you avoid saying to yourself. There's power there. There's choice there. 
there's a decision there. And the most painful for me right now is probably the ways that it impacts my deep relationships. Like it, those matter the most to me. So it's also where I am starting to realize the significance of being so self-reliant and the place that the, those decisions that I have made, where it's led me, is not the goal I have set out for my life. So I got to start making some different decisions. And I'm telling you, it overlaps on so many areas of my life. Another one is that being so self-reliant, I tend to, the belief that I have is that if I depend too much on someone else, they will let me down and disappoint me or they can't do it or they won't do it like I would do it. And so this kind of bleeds into if you also struggle with perfectionism on any level, one of the questions I really have to ask myself is, do I want it done perfectly or is it better that it's done? And I do want to just say for for just the sake of saying it, that to me in this context, perfectly is not saying that there are no mistakes, but just that you have to have your hand in it. And that's important because then your perfectionism actually becomes the limiting belief because it's not actually that it will be done without any mistakes, but that you believe that your hand needs to be in it, that you have to be the one in control, that I have to be the one in control. The way to heal a scarcity mindset is actually by giving more. And I'm not saying that you give more in the expense of yourself. Never, I'm not a huge advocate for leveraging more than you have to give, but I am saying give more. Give more than you did. And I get it. It seems counterintuitive because you, what we're talking about is this core belief that you don't have enough. And I'm telling you to give more. I think The reason why this is so healing is because by giving more, you realize you have more capacity than you thought. And that's really what we're trying to do. Change the way you think about what is happening. I think about a mom who is about to have another kid and their limiting belief is that there's no way they don't have enough time. They don't have enough energy. They've never experienced the capacity for love that it's going to take to love another child as well as they have in the past, love the other ones or the other one. And yet you see it time and time again that the mother has the child and this is in a healthy dynamic and All of a sudden, the mom's like, I don't know why I ever questioned my capacity to love them. What she's realizing is that she just never entertained the possibility that there was another story she could tell herself. You end up limiting yourself and your capacity at the point or the extent that you're willing to give of yourself. 
that's the point you experience the limit or the scarcity. And so the scarcity mindset or the scarcity trigger, it always taps in prematurely. You're not at your capacity yet. It's just scared that you might be. And so what giving more does is it actually proves, it validates to yourself, to your mind, to that trigger, hey, I actually have more. I think about the long marriages that have happened and somebody is widowed and I just actually got to experience this happening with a family friend, but they had a great marriage, very long marriage, like, you know, this was their person. That's what they thought. And so their limiting belief became when that person, when their spouse passed, like, I will never be able to love to that degree again. Like, I lost my person. There is no other person out there. Scarcity mindset, limiting belief. But what ended up happening is they ended up finding another person because there's over 8 billion people on this planet. And they love them with the same amount of energy that they loved their last spouse. You will limit yourself at the capacity you believe exists that doesn't. And so the way to heal or to begin to heal a scarcity mindset is by giving more. It happens too with your time, right? You start giving more time to other things or like let's say you just start volunteering or maybe you want to start that project. Your limiting belief is I don't have enough time. There's not enough time. Well, start allotting X amount of time per week on that thing, on that goal. And you will actually find that you do actually have the time. It's just the way that you've been choosing to use your time hasn't previously made it known that that time was available for you to pursue this goal. Give more. There was a point in time where I had a limiting belief about money because we didn't have much growing up and even getting things like groceries. Like I just remember my mom being stressed. Our electricity got shut off. I grew up in Michigan in the middle of winter in Michigan and it was freezing and my mom just couldn't pay afford to pay the bill. And what's really cool is Um, my brother was dating someone at the time and their family was well off and they found out about our electricity being cut off and they paid our electricity bill. That said, it like deeply rooted in me was just like, I will never have enough money. Like I will never be able to cover my bills. I'm never going to be able to, um, and even if I can cover my bills, like I better be really careful and cautious and, I better not just go overboard and overboard looks like even $5 over budget because you never know. Like, I don't think I have enough, right? Limiting belief. It changed everything about my perspective of money to the point where when I got my first professional job right out of college, I was so scared to even pay my bills because I had never seen bills that high before. 
And so when I moved out on my own for the first time, got my first professional job, like these bills, I was like, wow, like that's expensive. That's a lot of money to be spending on electricity and all of these things. Like, how am I going to have enough? And I had a roommate. Like, I think with the roommate, my rent was under $600. Like in the grand scheme of things, that's not much for rent. But I was so scared to pay my bills because I was like, I've never seen these bills this high before. And so I just didn't want to pay them. And so I'd wait until like the last possible day, like I would wait out. And it was crazy to me because I had the money in my account. I just would not pay the bill because I was so scared. And it took a while for me to just like pay the bill pay the bill before the grace period is up. And I always paid the bill before the grace period was up, but I would always wait. It was like a year of me waiting to the last day of that grace period to pay my bills. What ended up helping was I actually started giving more of my money. And the more I started giving, the more I realized, well, I have, I actually have a lot of, of money, not that I was wealthy by any chance. I think when I started out, I was making 45000 But I realized that I actually had more capacity to give than I initially realized. But you don't know until you start giving more. I'll let that sit. That's a lot to think about. You tell me where you're struggling. You tell me what you're thinking about, what's challenging you. Let me know in the comments. Let me know in the DMs. Don't forget to rate this podcast. It really goes a long way to helping me out and getting the word out to more people who need to hear and want to heal. Let's plan a talk soon.